Father, where would we be without your grace? The grace that was shown us in your son who came and lived a perfect life on our behalf and died a perfect death on our behalf that we could have new life as sinners and broken people and people who need second chances over and over again, you give them through the grace of Christ. Oh God, speak to us now this morning as we think on your word, your compassion, your love for people, for all the nations, God. Thank you that you are drawn a people to yourself. And now as we open your word, I pray you'll speak to us, God. Give us humble hearts to receive, to hear and respond and obey, God. The path of blessing is the path of obedience. And so we give ourselves to you now to the hearing of your word, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Good to see so many of you in July. Wow. Those of you that are home are here to worship, and uh, it is just good to be together. We are so encouraged by the many that come to gather uh, each Sunday. Thanks for making it a priority. You know, I, I, there's very few things that are as important as gathering weekly as believers to be encouraged and challenged to worship together. Isn't it good to worship together? It is so encouraging. It just lifts our hearts and, and to look at God's word. It is truth. It speaks to us in a dark world that lies to us in every possible way. We get to hear the truth of God. And so we are in a series in Jonah. We're in chapter 3 today. We've been working through the book of Jonah. And it's been so good to have others in our congregation preach in the summer. We like to have some of you who are lay people that that worship with us all week come and each Sunday come and and preach. Isn't it good? We got some good preachers amongst us. And we're thankful we'll continue to do some of this in the Sunday. But I, I, you know, Jared and I get a little jealous. Like, we like to preach. This is a little hard on us, honestly. So uh, I'm going to grab a a week, and Jared will be up next week. But uh, we're in chapter 3 today, and uh, we've been watching Jonah. He was asked by God to go to Nineveh, and, of course, he headed for Tarshish, the opposite direction. And God brought a storm. the, The sailors threw him overboard. He gets swallowed up by a fish. And last week we saw that Jonah repented in the belly of a fish, right? That was a good, good call. Turning back and, and uh, Hank Conroy told us well last week. And, right, yeah. and the fish spit Jonah out on the shore, right? That was great. We were so thankful to have kids read scripture. And, um, and today we're in chapter 3 where we have this turning point in the, sto- the story where God gives Jonah a second chance and he heads back for... For Nineveh. And we've been aligning this series actually with our PRAY acronym that we uh, worked at in uh, VBS, where two weeks ago we, we praised God together. Remember this? Wasn't this good? Like all of you just praised God out loud together in one voice. It was a roar from you guys. Way to go. And then last week we took some time of repentance. We, we thought maybe we ought to do that out loud, and then we thought, no, we'll probably get in trouble, right? What did you say there? What did you do? But we repented together uh, on our knees before God. And today we're going to ask, P-R-A, prayer, praise, repent, ask. And we will move that direction. It says, the people of Nineveh, Nineveh called out in a mighty roar to God. And so we'll be going that direction toward the end uh, this morning. But as we look at chapter 3, I want to look at three parts this morning. One is second chances, verses 1 and 2, and then staying on course, verses 3 to 5, and then finally God of the impossible, verses 6 
to 10. So let's look at second chances. Look at this. Let's, this is remarkable. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And so God asks Jonah now a second time to go to Nineveh. It's, it's almost exactly the same language as in chapter 1. Same command, and Jonah is now given a second chance to obey God. This, this says so much about God's character, doesn't it? Talks about who God is here as we listen to this book of Jonah, that God is a God of compassion. He has a heart for people. He is gracious. He's kind. He's forgiving. Right? He's patient toward us, long-suffering in our disobedience with us. He hates our disobedience. Don't get me wrong. He hates it because it harms us and it harms people. He hates sin. His wrath is against sin because of the harm it does. But he endures it with us. He suffers with us, drawing us back to himself into sweet fellowship and obedience time and time again. I, I love Psalm 103. It speaks of God's character. It says, the Lord is merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Aren't you glad for that? I just... Just rejoice in that just continually as I live my life with such imperfection day in and, and day out. And in fact, do you, do you get to this place at times where you kind of think, well, I just did it one more time and now I think that's probably the end for me. God's probably done with me. You ever, do, ever think this way? Please tell me you do. I do like, I, I, oh, my God, you must be through with me. But he picks me up again and again and restores me and sends us back into his mission to do his work for his glory. I'm so thankful for that. And, and I think God is even gracious in giving us sort of that same test over and over again, right? We've failed it multiple times. But I think he's trying to teach us how to pass it. He's patient with us. He sends us back to do it again. Like, you can learn. You can grow from it. Takes us through it again till we learn how to stand tall in the middle of the test or the trial that we face. This really, this really is the nature of the Christian life. That we fail and we fall and we trip and we do things we shouldn't be doing. But his grace is unfailing. His love is unfailing toward us. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He dusts us off and sets us back on a good course. And, and it reminds us that everything that we have... And everything that we accomplish is by his grace, right? Even our capacities to serve well and to make wealth and go to jobs and do them and to act wisely, those are, those are things that he's just given to us. Every good thing comes from God, and we are to give thanks to him in everything because it's all his grace, every bit of it. One of the stories of my life, I've shared, if you've been around here a long time, you've heard me share this story, but such a dear story to my wife and I. Uh, I was in my senior year at the University of Washington in engineering school, and, and uh, it was the last, last semester, and I had one elective I had to take, and so I, I took a history course um, by a professor named John Bridgman, who's a very well-known history professor. He's deceased now, but he's fabulous. 
And, um, <clears throat> and so he said the grade's going to be based on two things. You're going to have a midterm test and you're going to have a final test. And your whole grade will be based on those two tests. Well, that summer I got really sick, kind of midterm. And I missed the first test. So I was kind of afraid what the professor was going to make me do, but I went to his office, and he said, well, that's no problem. Just, we'll just put your whole grade on the final test, <laughs> right? And so we moved toward, this is my last semester, last class I got to get through and pass, and comes down, uh, you know, the final test is on this day for this class, and, and the very best, in fact, really the only really good job opportunity that I had going for me they wanted me to come and interview on that day for the final test. And I said, I I'm, I'm through. Like, this professor's going to, like, he's going to run out of patience. He's done with me. I'm, I'm just done. I need this job, but I got to pass this class. I got to take this test. And so I went up to Dr. Bridgman's office, and I sat there, and as humbly as I could, I said, look, I know I missed your first test, and you said this test was going to be my grade. I can't make your, this test either. I got to go to this interview. And I'll never forget these words. They ring in my ears to this day. This beloved professor said, count it as a gift. I don't know if he can even legally do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> count it as a gift. Now he goes, well, I got to have something to base your grade on. So give me a one-page paper about what you learned in this, page, in this class. And I'll base your grade on that. That took me like one hour. Right? But that's God, right? That is how God treats us when we don't deserve it. Like when we've missed up and messed up over and over again, he says, just count it as a gift. I'll forgive you. Get back on your feet. And, and this is the implication of this story. If you find yourself in a hard place, if you find yourself in a, in a dark place, gone your own way, failed once more, kind of in the belly of the fish, Maybe you're even afraid, like you're thinking, God, you must be done with me now. But you know what? <laughs> if you're breathing, there's a second chance, right? No matter how far you've run from God, when you turn around, he's right there for you to restore you and get you back on your feet. He is a God of second chances, so don't grovel in your failures. Don't grovel in your inadequacies. Don't punish yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Jesus did that for you. Just walk in his grace and get back up. In fact, I think this is a sign of maturity, Christian maturity. Not that you don't still fall. Not that you still don't fail. Not that you still don't struggle day by day. But you get up more quickly in his grace. You know it more clearly. You know who you are in Jesus. You are accepted and you're perfect in him. Now get up and go, Christian. That's who you stand as an accepted person in Christ. He's a God of second chances. Now let's look at verses 3 to 5. I'm calling this little section stay in the course, right? This is a beautiful thing. Jonah did. He got going. He's, he, right? God gave him the command, and this time, here we go. Like, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. So here we are, Jonah now. He's back on the path. He's walking with God. And this is where you and I want to be, right? This is, this is, this is where we want to walk. 
And, and how do we do this well? How do we stay on this path? Because right? it's so easy to get sidetracked quickly and back off it again. In fact, next week, Pastor Jared's going to talk. He gets back off the path again. But how do we stay on it? How do we stay consistent? Right? It's not a once-for-all-time decision to obey God. This is a daily thing. Paul says, I die daily to God's work in my life, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I mean, I don't know about you, but I long to be more consistent. I long to be more steady. I, I long to end up in the ditch less often. Do you? I, I, we recently got a new car, and, and these new cars, like, right, they, they just, they're smarter than us, aren't they? They, they think they know everything. So you, like, you get off the lane a little bit. In fact, the first time this happened, I didn't know what was going on. My, my wheel starts to shake, and orange starts showing up my dashboard. You're off the lane. What? I'm just shifting lanes. It's trying to keep me going straight. And, and this is really what we want to do, is stay in the lane that God has, has given us and, and to walk with him consistently. So let, let's learn a couple things from Jonah here uh, on how to do this well. It says in verse 3, notice, but look at what it does. It says that Jonah went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So one of the real keys, I think, to stay on course right, in this crazy world is to, is to obey God's word. Jonah heard the word and he acted on it. Th this is really what faith is. right? It's, it's taking God at his word and acting on it. Regardless how you might feel, because God promises a good result. This is what it is. Like, like take God at his word and act on it, regardless how you feel, because God promises a good result. we got to be people like Jonah who hear the word of the Lord. We need to read the word of the Lord. We need to know it. We need to be a student of it. We need to come to church and discuss it. We need to get in our homes and, and work at it to know the word of the Lord. I mean, this is Satan's test of us. He comes to us and he goes, did God really say that? Are you sure God said that? Can you really believe that? He questions God's word. And if we don't know it, we are vulnerable to all kinds of lies and false teachings. This, this world fills us with a line of crap like you can't believe and tempts us to think things that aren't true. we got to know God's word. Do you know you and I, people like us in this kind of church, are targeted by false teachers and cults because they don't think we know God's word? This is what they say to one another. Go after these people. They don't know God's word. They'll convert over to this lie because we believe in God, see? We want to follow God. Do we know the Bible and the truth of God's word so we know and we hear, so, oh, that's not God. That's not the truth. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, by knowing the word, to walk in his way. See, so we've so we, so we got to read it. We've got to know it. Let's be students of it. But also then, let's obey it. Right? This is simple. Right? To walk in it. It's ways that we're told to do, like to act upon it. I mean, sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes it kind of seems difficult, right? Jonah is a good example. He heard the word of the Lord. Guess what he did? I'm not going that way. I'm going this way. Well, how did that work out for him, right? Even when you don't want to, 
obey it. It's, it's not ideal when we're kind of going against our desires to obey, and we do obey. But it's better than going, well, this is what I really want to do, so I'm just going to do whatever I really want to do. This is what the culture tries to teach us. Like, be true to yourself. Whatever is inside of you, whatever your desires are, be true to yourself. Just do it. Well, that's a crock. That's a lie. You can't trust yourself. You can't trust what's inside of you. You've got a little beast inside of you that lies to you. And so we got to take God at his word and, and act upon it, even if we don't feel like it. Because God promises a good result. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing, hear this? By testing. Try it out, right? Try obedience. You may discern what is the will of God. That it is good and acceptable and perfect. Try it out. Try obeying and see if it isn't good and acceptable and perfect. That it doesn't work for you. God promises a good result when we obey him. Now go ahead. I mean, some of us, you're like me. You kind of go, well, i got to try this out for myself, so I'll just go the other direction, right? End up in the belly of the fish. It sucks down there, right? It's dark down there. Got to try it out and learn the hard way. But God says, no, just obey me. Just, you know, brothers and sisters, there, there, there's a sweetness in obedience, just in trusting God, even if we don't feel like it. I'm just going to do it, God. doesn't make sense to me necessarily, but I want to walk in your way and in your blessing. And there's a fellowship with God in obeying him. And there's a joy. And there's a brightness to the path. There's a delight on that path. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of a righteous man grows brighter day by day. So, Jonah learned. And he obeyed when God asked him. But there's a second thing that Jonah did, and, and I think it's very insightful. <clears throat> it helps us stay on the good path. <clears throat> it says, Jonah, verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, now you can't really see it in this text. You can see it in the original language better. But it says he immediately, the minute he stepped into that city, he started to call out as God had asked him to do. In other words, he didn't delay his obedience. He immediately stepped into it and did what was right. He didn't look back. See, hesitation gets us in trouble when we start trying to evaluate and think, well, should I do this, the right thing, or this, the wrong thing, and think about it and kind of dwell on it? Right? That's going to get us in trouble. Just obey Right? Let's learn from Lot's wife who looked back right? and ends up as a pillar of salt. Jesus said when we put our hand to the plow, don't, don't turn back, but just follow. And, and here's what he was doing. This is what God gave him to do. He gave him this mission of calling people to know his love and his redemption. Jonah was inviting wayward people back to himself to restore them to a right relationship with God. And this is the mission that God has given us. We see this in the book of Jonah. God's great heart and his compassion for people, for broken people, for wayward 
people, that he loves people that are in the darkest place, and he reaches to them, and he sends people like Jonah to call them back to himself. And he tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that we've been made new creatures. We are new in him, and now we are ambassadors for him. We get to be on mission for him. We get to follow him and call people back to himself. This is what we've been given to do. This is our mission. We get to join Jonah in this mission. Psychologists say uh, that humans are telic. I read this this week. Humans are telic. And that means that they need a purpose. They demand a purpose in their being. Something central has to motivate us. We all have to put something at the center of our hearts. We're all following or chasing something. We must. We're made this way. And we are invited, like Jonah, to join God in this purpose of loving people and caring for them and inviting them to know God's love and his grace. To know God personally and to make him known. We call it real life transformation and real life multiplication up here that we are transformed by the grace of God into new people, and then we multiply. We share it with others and invite others on that mission. This is what we are called to do, invite people to Jesus, to know him and to walk with him. So, so Jonah just gave himself to this mission. And I think this is really significant because it, it, it's the days that we take our, God, our eyes off of God's purpose and God's mission for our lives that then we're vulnerable Right? It's those days when we're drifting, those days maybe that we're a little bored. These are the days that get me. We get off track. If I'm not actively serving God and I'm not actively about his mission, then I'll be tempted with a different one. And so we see Jonah staying on course by going right after it. I think this is why God says to us, rejoice in me always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Right? Pray without ceasing. Whatever you're doing, even if you're on vacation, even if you're resting, call out to God and praise him. Pray and worship him. Stay on mission for him. And just even the little things of, of life. This weekend has been a very full and busy one for, for Mary and I. And, and uh, when I'm going to preach Sunday and we've got other things that are going on in our lives, um, I kind of go very much into... This uh, schedule, plan, execute mode. Because i got to get through Sunday, right? This is what I'm thinking in my mind. We've got people coming over. We've got a very number of things we've got to do in the house. I've got to get a sermon ready. I've got to be ready to go on Sunday morning, right? And, and I am a productivity nut. I love productivity. I love getting to the end of today and go, yes, I was productive, right? I love it, Right? And so we were having people over Friday night, and so Mary gave me a little errand to go up to, uh, what's the name of this store? Nothing Bunt Cakes. You ever had one of those? They're good, actually, right? right. Amen. They're good. So we were going to get these little Bunt Cakes for everybody. And, um, and she sent, she goes, and I got a coupon, so you get two for one here. So she tapes it to the door so that I'll see it when I go out and grab it and go up there, right? You know where this is going. So I get up there, I'm about ready to buy these little bunt cakes. I don't have the coupon. Mary goes, do I have to pin it to your shirt? I, I, if I pinned it to your shirt, would you remember? 
but this is a week and I'm trying to be productive, right? I, I, need, I don't have a minute to spare. I got to get everything done. I got to do it right. And so I'm tempted with this purpose of being productive, right? And you can feel the frustration rolling up inside of me like I'm missing a moment. I don't have 15 minutes to spare like this. I've got to get everything done and I'm not, and I get angry and I get frustrated. But instead of God being my God, now productivity has become my God, right? Now this, look at, at one level, this is a really small thing, right? This is why I can share it so honestly. It's a really small thing, right? <laughs> if it were a bigger sin, I wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> But it is a big thing because it's a matter of the heart. My heart is going the wrong direction. My heart is about performance. My heart is about being efficient and productive so that I feel good about myself. That is against the gospel because Jesus accepts me even when I forget. And Jesus accepts me even when I'm not efficient. In fact, I am loved and accepted by him apart from anything that I do and all that productivity does is it makes me frustrated and miserable and miserable to be with right so i've got to turn my heart back right so then i go okay i start talking to my i'm a preacher right? i can start preaching to myself okay kevin you got to calm down like and just walk in the joy of being with jesus right he accepts you he loves you this is silly it doesn't matter just get back in the car and calm down and enjoy yourself like you'd walk with god right and that's the choice we have. When we follow and walk in God's ways and his purposes, it's filled with joy and blessing. When we put something else, some other mission, some other purpose in its place, we become miserable as his people. So in all things, live your life with God's purpose. All right, let's look at the last little section of scripture. <clears throat> it's the God of the impossible. God of the impossible. Let's look at verses 6 through 10. <clears throat> the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decrees of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said. He would do to them, and he did not do it. God, I'm so good. The king repented. People turned. And I want you to know historically just how crazy this is. This is the king of the most powerful evil empire in that day. Like, they don't repent to nobody, nothing, know how, right? They just don't do this. This is, this is something, in fact, scholars have looked at this historically and say this can't even be true. This would never happen. This can't happen. This must be a parable of some sort, just telling a story to make a point, because this could not historically happen. Many scholars have, in fact, more scholars take that direction than believing it's true. 
But here's the problem. Jesus said it was true. Luke eleven thirty two. 32, that's what he said. He said, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, someone greater than Jonah is here. <laughs> now, here, here's my general theology and, and handling of scripture. If Jesus said it's true, I'm going with it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. God is a God of the impossible. I love the words of Mary. <laughs> Nothing is impossible with God, Luke 137. Mm. And it says that the people in verse 8 called out mightily to God. They realized they were in trouble. They realized they had gone a uh, wrong direction. And they realized they needed to repent. And it says that God relented and he turned from his plan to destroy them. He, he changed his mind. Now, this makes scholars kind of go a little crazy, too, actually. But, but we've got to understand about God, that he is unchangeable. It does not mean that he doesn't act in differing circumstances in differing ways. God is, is alive with us in our circumstances, and he functions in differing ways in our differing circumstances. He's always interacting with us as his people and with others, but here is the way he is unchangeable and he's consistent in every way. His character is never changing. He's always loving. He's always gracious. He's always just. He's always holy. He is always consistent with his character in everything he does. And Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 7 and 8 says that when we repent, he always shows mercy. When we turn, he will forgive. Listen, it says, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. That's our God. When we repent and when we turn, we are forgiven, and God relents of the disaster. We're responsible for our actions. There are real consequences but when we repent, he always forgives and is gracious. This is his character. Aren't you glad? We have a God who is compassionate and a God who is gracious. He is a God of mercy. And when these people of Nineveh, who were as evil as they come, when they repented, God showed compassion unto them because he is a God of mercy and grace. And band, you can come on up. When Jesus walked the earth and was moving toward the cross and the religious community was asking who, who are you Jesus like, what are you about give us a sign show us something that helps us understand who you are he said an evil generation wants a sign but I'll give you one sign it's the sign of Jonah In the same way that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so I will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And as Jonah came out of that fish alive, I will come out of the grave alive forevermore. Jesus would be crucified and buried, but he would rise again so that you and I can have a new life. So that you and I can be given a second chance. So that you and I can be in that dark place, but know that God is in the resurrection business. 
He can take all of our broken places and all of our bad choices and all the consequences that come with them, and he can turn them around and give us a new beginning and give us a second chance. We have a God of grace and a God of second chances. And he loves to do it. It's his character. He's a gracious God. He is a good God. He wants to deliver us from our bad choices and the belly of the fish that we find ourselves in and the despairing moments where we wonder if we are just over. God says, no, if you're alive, turn back to me. I am right here for you. I love to show compassion on people who will turn to me. Think about it just for a moment. How how did Jonah get out of the belly of the fish? How did the Ninevites be given a second chance? What did they do? They called out to God. That's all they did. They called out to God. Right? Have mercy on me. Give me grace. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. (laughs) I had a... uh, person come into my office many, many years ago now, and this person came into my office in a very broken way, and, and they said to me, you know, in everything that I've done in my life, I've been able to get out of it, but this one that I'm in right now, I can't get out of. My only hope is God. Well, there's a horrible place to be. <laughs> How did you get yourself there? <laughs> when we're there... That's when the blessing begins. We turn to him and we call out to him. Where is it that you need God? Where is it that you need mercy today? Perhaps you're like Jonah. You're in the belly of the fish. Where do you need a second chance? Where do you need a new beginning? Where do you need a resurrection? This is what this story is about, that we have a God of second chances that raises us from those horrible places. Whether it's our sin or our health or our job or our friendships or our marriage or our finances, the list goes on and on. God says, I am here to give you another chance. I'm here to give you a new beginning. If you just call out to me, turn from doing it yourself and give it to me. And we need to do what we've been told to do in this text, and that is call out mightily to the Lord. God hears those prayers. And so as we listen to the story of Jonah this morning, I want us to be people who call out to our good and great God who is eager to restore and give us a second chance. And I want us to pray for one another. We're trying to figure out ways to pray for one another in better ways, right? So here's what we're going to do today. We've done this off and on. But if you would like us to pray for you this morning, I'm going to just offer a prayer for all of you who stand. If you are in a place where you're saying, God, I just need some help. I need some mercy. I need a new beginning, Right? really going through it, stand. Let us pray for you this morning, right? Let's be brave, right? God says, I give grace to the humble, but I resist the proud. If you're in that place, come on, let's stand this morning. I'm going to give you a minute. God is eager to answer these prayers. Now, I, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. But I want you to notice, some of these are your friends. Some of these are your friends. They say, I, I, I want to be prayed for. Okay? I want you to see these. These are your friends. These are people we love and care about. I want you to notice who they are this morning, and I want you to pray for them this week. I'm going to pray for them now. 
And then we're going to sing a song about calling out to God. So let's pray. Father, thank you for these dear friends and these loved ones that are really going through it, God. And they need you to come and they need you to help. They need you to give them a new beginning. Father, you know personally what they need. And so, God, I ask that you would minister to them, that they would show, that you would show yourself strong to them. God, as they have humbled themselves by standing, that you would show an answer, God, to their call for you. Minister to them. Give them peace. Give them strength. Give them hope. Give them trust. And thank you that you're a God of compassion and mercy. Thank you that you will answer our prayers as we call out to you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to have us all stand. And you saw some of your friends stand that need your prayers this morning, right? We're going to sing this song about calling up to this God who's been the same through all the generations. If you saw a friend stand, why don't you courageously go over and just pray for them during this song this morning. If one of the people you love and care about stood, go over there and just pray for them. Let's do that and let's sing this song. Our God is here. It's the same God through all the generations. And he saves. He gives us new beginnings. He gives us second chances. Let's take a time of prayer together.